Just a moment. Just a moment. Welcome to the Future Law Podcast, exploring where the law has been. Hey Siri, take yourself. And where it's going. Oh, good afternoon. From the brilliant. My name is Sophia, and I am the latest and greatest robot. To the scary. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? And everything in between. Please welcome your very real and very human host, Dan Hunter. Welcome. You're with the Future Law Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Hunter, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Simon Quirk, all-around nice guy and legal innovator and reformed lawyer. Simon, welcome. Thank you very much, Dan. I'm delighted to be here. I've followed your podcast uh, to this point, and uh, so I'm quite honoured to be um, invited on. Well, we've you know we've been working together for quite a while, so the listeners should be aware that um, this is not really surprising. At some point, you were always going to be on this particular podcast, <laughs> so it's it's great it's great to have you here. So we're we're going to talk a lot about um, how you do legal innovation, which is sort of really the core of the of the podcast. Um, but I wanted to kick off with an opportunity of talking a little bit about your history and how you got to the point. Uh, that you've gotten to. Uh, you're a reformed lawyer. You traded in your stripes after uh, a number of years as a as a commercial lawyer, an M&A lawyer, amongst other things. Um, and you're now uh, a serial entrepreneur and uh, an innovator uh, within the, the legal space. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about why you left the law and, and what you've ended up doing? Yeah, sure, Dan. Um, so, uh, I worked out probably within the first six months um, that uh, I wasn't going to be a lawyer, at least in private practice, uh, f- you know, from the rest of my career. Uh, you know, it, it's, it was uh, quite a stimulating environment intellectually, but I felt very stifled in terms of um, creativity and impact um, even then. And at that stage, I didn't actually sort of articulate in my mind as, as having, having my creativity and impact stifled. Uh, but that's what it was looking back now, now that I am doing what I'm doing now. Uh, mm. So uh, for me, it was really a case of learning as much as I could about the, the practice of law, um, creating um, networks uh, and using it as a, as a, a launching pad uh, for the rest of my career. So um, it, was a, it was a pretty hard, uh, pretty hard road. I was working huge hours. Um, I had a, a partner that was on the rise who I was working with. So we would, we would always work six or maybe seven days. But I learned a lot um, uh, during that time in a very short um, uh, space of time around the practice of law and the, and, and the challenges. So my next uh, step out of law um, to try and do uh, a job which had a little bit more of a big picture focus was to um, jump into being a corporate or in-house lawyer, um, which is a pretty well-worn path for lawyers jumping out of um, commercial practice in particular. And uh, so I did that for four years. I enjoyed that more um, because I was doing less of the detail-oriented um, crossing T's and dotting I's, and I was having an impact on the business, so it was a bit more strategic. Um, so I did that for four or five years as general counsel and company secretary of a uh, listed industrial company in Melbourne. Uh, and then um, I needed to scratch that itch that um, a lot of Australians um uh, need to scratch and to go and uh, spend some time working in, in London. Um, it's pretty common. It is pretty common, and uh, it was uh, it was a really great move. Uh, so I was lucky enough um, uh, when I got to London to land a job as VP legal for a company called Get Images, which um, 
uh, back then wasn't well known. It is now. I mean, it's on the byline it's of very most, well <laughs> yeah, most sporting images. So that's the editorial side, but they've got a huge creative side. Um, and that was a that was a probably that was probably what whetted my appetite for entrepreneurship, because I joined the joined the company at a time when um, it was still um, a sea of red ink. Um, so still making losses. It was a, a private equity venture capital roll up type play. Um, and uh, I over the five years that I was there, um, I, I wrote it from um, from startup. We listed on Nasdaq, then we moved to Wall Street. Um, so it was a pretty heady ride, and it was a, a huge growth um, uh, phase for for the business. But it was a you know it was a, a tech play, and uh, so that really whetted my appetite for um, that type of business. Um, we came back to Australia for family reasons. I was very happy in that role, and I, you know I could have happily stayed in in London doing it for a bit longer because of the type of um, industry I was in. Uh, but coming back to Australia, it, it is difficult. Um, when you've been working in New York or London doing the types of jobs that you have been doing, there aren't as many opportunities for that sort of stuff here um, as a lawyer. So I um, I took a, a role as um, a chief operating officer for a uh, listed um, financial service company, primarily financial advice. Um, and uh, and that had a similar feature, albeit much smaller, but it was a bit of a roll-up play. Um, so that's what attracted me to it. And we had a really Good growth phase. I worked with some fantastic people who I'm still now working with um, in uh, business. That, uh, but uh, it was a, it was a, it was a great time. But it was still a listed company, so you you would still um, uh, have some plans to really do some amazing things, and then you would have uh, a director with a private equity interest on the board who would just look at you and just as if you were mad. So you know that was still a little bit <laughs> stifling. So so when when the when the business was um, taken over by um, a large bank that was certainly my time to exit stage right and so that was about eight years ago and um, I've been thinking about doing this for a while um, and so I went out my own and I uh, started to do what I do today and that is to consult uh, primarily around um, strategy and innovation and then also to establish my own um, businesses. So um, the, it, 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 I've got to the point now where I've finally, um, at the ripe age of 50, um, you know, worked out what I um, feel like I was here to do and, and what I really love. And it doesn't feel like work. And um, uh, and it's it's what I want to do uh, with um, co-conspirators like yourself uh, for as many years as my body will let me. So that's how that's how I got to where I am now, if that, makes, um, if that story makes sense. Yeah, makes 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 perfect sense, and uh, also you're very fit, so you're going to be doing this for quite a while, I think, oh. which I'm delighted about. Um, in an, in an upcoming episode, um, we're going to be talking about uh, lawyers like you. Um, the episode's called "Where Have All the Lawyers Gone?" and and we're thinking a little bit about um, how lawyers with these sort of technical and entrepreneurial skills um, end up typically leaving the profession pretty pretty quickly. And yet, um, everything that we're hearing these days is about how important those sorts of skills are, how important those sorts of lawyers are to to law firms. And firms really struggle to to get those those sorts of lawyers. 
Um, from your experience and sort of, I know you've been doing a lot of strategic um, work and a lot of innovation work with law firms for a number of years now. You know, what, why is it that people like you leave the profession and why is it that, that firms struggle so much to attract people with the sort of uh, T-shaped skill set that you've got, you know, very broad in a range of really important areas and, and really, really deep in the ones that, that actually really matter? Yeah, it's a very good and, and very important question, I think, for the profession. Um I think my story is quite uh, quite uh, typical because I don't think that that for most lawyers they would have a, a very different experience to, to to the one I had. So if you are um, wired to be um, creative, and I mean creative in the sense of um, coming up with novel solutions to you know important problems, which is really what yeah. most entrepreneurs are about. Um, creative in the business work. sense, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that uh, that you know that the the current practice law is is um, is is no different and no no less challenging for that type of person. So um, it's not it's not a um, it's not a happy place for someone who um, is uh, just told to go and cross T's and dot I's um, for six or seven hours a day. Uh, and if you don't do that, and you won't get a raise. Um, it, it, it's it's quite difficult. I mean, a lot of firms are talking about innovation a lot. Um, in fact, there's very few that aren't, um, right. but but um, but they're not really changing the way that they've done things, and in particular, to um, create um, a, an an alternate path or at least a space within the practice of law for these people to uh, to exercise their entrepreneurial muscle. Um, and so, without the right support for innovation, and what I mean by that is um, resources, there might be financial and other types of resources with the mentoring and um, access to um, expertise, uh, possibly also technical expertise. Uh, there might be budget uh, or time relief so that they uh, don't feel like they've just got to do this part-time on top of their already extremely demanding day job. Uh, and also making it safe to uh, make some mistakes, to get some things wrong. And that's something that lawyers um, struggle with, obviously, um, that they're, they're paid to be right. Um, even though not always, obviously, but um, uh, and if if they're if they're going to be able to really um, stretch things, that you know they're going to get things wrong and a lot. Uh, but you know, not 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 bet the farm type wrong, but just that you know that there might be some ventures that don't make it, and uh, and lawyers not really that comfortable um, with that. I think another thing also, which is a challenge, big challenge for for law firms that some of them are addressing now, is a piece of the upside. That if if someone is going to put their heart and soul, and, and Dan, you and I often talk about um, the shower time, and and what what that means is that you know I want when, I want the listeners to be aware that this is absolutely PG thirteen when we're talking absolutely. about shower time. No, it is, it is. But you know, it, or, or driving time, or or just that downtime. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's that it's that when you're in the shower, and you know, when you're seeing the shower in the morning, often most people, if they unless they're really rushed, have a little bit of a daydream. You know, you you want you want um, uh, when you're running a venture, it really needs that discretionary or free thought. So you need to be thinking about it when you're driving to to work or in, or on the, in the tram or whatever or in the shower. And in order to do that, you know, a piece of the you know the upside. What I mean by that is, you know, if there is uh, an increase in valuation or an equity event, that the that the people can benefit from that in some way. Um, that you know that it's it's their part of partly their baby. So firms really need to think about how they can identify and, and, and nurture these types of individuals uh, because they'll, they'll go to another firm that does that and there are firms starting to do that now or more likely they'll just leave to start their own company um, yeah. and they may do that eventually anyway but you want to keep them 
you know within the within the firm to be able to help future proof it um uh you know as, for as long as possible um and and to me and, and maybe I've, i'm you know, a little bit biased here but I, I don't think so i think in this day and age that you know that those with the with the um uh with the headwinds uh that law firms are feeling from disruption um to lose someone like that or, or not gain them in the first place is is a much bigger loss than a than a great fee earner like someone who, who's yeah. uh, because great fee firms are very important obviously that's what keeps the lights on uh, but most firms I, I see will still try much harder to keep the you know the great fee earner than they will for someone who can um, uh, help the firm uh, bridge the um, the chasm between old law and new law so I think that's quite indicative of, of most law firms um, you know mindset at the moment we've and we've talked a lot about this and and how difficult it is for law firms to to innovate it, it sounds like two of the things that you're suggesting here that law firms could do to to try to change their approach to this is to recognize the significance of these sorts of creative people with these sorts of uh, interesting skills and and also at the same time radically change their structures about the way that these people are remunerated or, or given equity positions. You know, it's not something that's ever really thought about within within law firms, but it sounds like that's the absolutely. sort of thing that's necessary yeah, that, that in needs, order to do it. That is, yeah, sorry, Dan. Yes, that, that's absolutely right. Um, the, the, the mindset shift that's required for uh, law firms to, uh, to innovate um, and to um, – they don't need to disrupt the whole industry, but they they do need to uh, do things quite differently. It is is quite a big um, leap for most firms um, uh, because uh, they're flat out uh, now trying to um, extract what they can out of the old law model as it becomes under, comes under pressure. So it, it is a really difficult step to take. But yes, they do need to take um, a, a different approach to uh, the people who are going to be able to innovate and, and not not all of them will so so what you might see um, and I, I don't I think these are sort of dying off a little bit you might see a, a very widely distributed or democratic um, innovation committee that will talk about things mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. and then um, you'll see possibly um, a an all firm, uh, you know ideation design thinking program where they just put everyone through it Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not not everyone's suited to that. Not everyone's. That's fine to do that, but if that's all you do, um, rather than possibly identifying and and uh, really nurturing, you know, those outliers, which they are at the moment, possibly um, that uh, that do have this um, entrepreneurial and, and creative or technical bent. Um, you know, the, the the one size fits all hasn't worked. Uh, and it is a bit of a challenge for for uh, law firms to identify and uh, create a, a different path, a parallel path, if you like, for these uh, very very important you know, lawyers, or they may not be lawyers, but you know, staff members. You've been doing uh, this kind of uh, work in innovation for uh, a number of years now. I know you've been working with um, a big commercial uh, law firm here in Australia, Mills Oakley, for about mm -hmm. seven or eight years. Yeah. Um, I think what you've been doing. Um, is remarkable. Otherwise, we we wouldn't be friends, and and um, uh, we wouldn't have gotten together on some some business uh, ideas that that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but you've been doing this probably for longer than pretty much anyone else in in this space, at least in Australia. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you've been doing uh, with Mills and and the other sorts of uh, firms that you've been working with to this point? Yeah, sure, Dan. Well, look, um, that's very high praise coming from you. I, I I don't really think of myself day to day as a 
as an outright leader in the space. I've just really been doing what I felt was the you know the the obvious thing that law firms and the legal industry need to do to solve a huge issue, and that is that um, that law is the last um, you know large vertical really to undergo disruption and and um, just sitting there and waiting for it to happen isn't uh, isn't uh, isn't isn't the answer. So uh, yeah, so I've been working with a number of firms over a number of years, and um, a lot of them have uh, gone through the stages of doing an innovation committee, um, having sort of some little competitions in you know in house and what have you. I shouldn't I shouldn't say that when I'm, I'm but you know it's a little competition. But, but, it's okay. been, but you know, like yeah. it's yeah, it's sort of like we we sent out the press release. We're doing an innovation uh, committee. We're doing a, oh, a hackathon. hackathon. You know, like it's yeah, it's it's yeah. cabaret. It's 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 not real innovation. That's right. That's right. Uh, but um, particularly with Mills Oakley, um, and I think it's it's partly the leadership there, uh, the board, and 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 John Eureka, the 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 CEO, and also having worked with them so long, I was able to. I think build up their trust uh, that we um, we thought that we really needed to do something which was uh, you know a step change in legal innovation uh, and not not just theatre or not um, tweaking just tweaking the dials. Uh, so um, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we uh, the, we and the, the board decided to launch the first legal services accelerator um, in Australia. In fact. Only by a few months, the second in in the in the world um, uh, of this type, corporate accelerator, if you like. Um, there was one um, in uh, in London, I think, just ahead of us, but uh, certainly one one of the first in the world, and certainly first in um, in the Asia Pacific region, right. uh, to uh, to uh, run a competition, uh, get some external startups, and put them through um, an accelerator, an externally hosted accelerator. Uh, so we did that a couple of years ago, and. Um, there is, uh, you know, one of the startups um, which will be announced shortly. Will be, um, uh, will be having a um, uh, an early exit, which is a great result. Oh, congratulations! Uh, That's mm, great. Yeah, absolutely. And the others are um, are all still um, chugging along. But they had 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 as as well as uh, investing in startups that could help um, shape the legal industry. And and Mills Oakley and John have always been very clear. They understand that some of the startups they're going to be supporting could be disrupting their own business model. Um, but um, uh, but as well as that, I think the the, the firm really embracing uh, innovation uh, has had a, a a bit of a flywheel effect within the firm and, and externally as well. Uh, so and what I mean by that is that um, that the next phase for a Mills Oakley Mills Oakley two or um, you know the Mills Oakley Innovation Platform, um, uh, what 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 it's what it's shown is that. In, internally, people are thinking differently about innovation. Mm-hmm. So, through a partnership with um, your university, um, uh, Swinburne University, um, we are running um, an internal accelerator, uh, and, and uh, we're doing that over uh, six months. But the the uh, the submissions, seventeen ventures um, joined the accelerator. We kicked off with a boot camp, and they're now running through an accelerator. And some of them are really you know, really good ideas. Uh, not just some of them are incremental, but um, the ones that, that made it there are really good ideas, and we're really overwhelmed with the, with the number of applications. And I think yeah. that's, that's testament to sort of the um, the 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 bar, if you like, that the that the firm um, has set um, out of the accelerator. 
Um, so, go on, John. Dan. No, I was just going to say one of one of the things that that uh, I've been really fascinated to to watch. You know, so so you and I worked on on this accelerator model. You know, and the idea was it was entrepreneurial. It wasn't sort of taking external startups and trying to make them work for the firm. It was saying, okay, you've got really good ideas. Let's try to find a way to actually make this happen. Um, but the the scale of them, uh, in terms of the numbers, and also the scale of the ambition uh, of of lawyers within within the the business within the practice. Uh, is is pretty remarkable, you know. Like it's you, you sort of look and go. As soon as you give people uh, a forum and and give them the sort of support that they need in order to be able to make uh, a new business work, a new spin out business, or do some business process reengineering, um, they'll they'll step up to it. And and you know the idea that somehow you've got to have these external people who are smart techies to to do this kind of stuff. It's it's not true. You know, there's no. there's great ideas and all you've got to do is give them the scaffolding to say he, you know, here's how you actually do a lean canvas yeah we'll help you with the tech stuff this is what the build looks like and you will manage that for you and most most law firms have got all of those ideas inside them but they just don't actually get them out that's right so i think that the the environment that's been set up within mills oakley certainly brought that out but i would say that that's within every firm and and yeah, and exactly. and and I think that's your point is you know who knew there's people in in a firm that actually do want to change the profession or have got ideas and and the people who the, the people who are experiencing the the problems and frustrations and that's what all these people are solving they're all solving problems they're experiencing day to day every single one of them yeah. Um, mm. whether they be frust- frustrations about business process or something they can see in the you know externally in the industry that needs to that needs to be or could be fixed. Um, uh, you know that they they'll be in every single firm. It's just that Mills Oakley has created the environment for uh, for for this to come out, and the support, and the yeah. resources, and they've also they're also um, uh, as they've already done with one of the um, the, the spin ups within the firm uh, that uh, you know if it gets to a certain point that there'll be an equity allocation for the, for the venture yeah. as well to have a, a slice of of this business so or or, the, or this venture so. Um, it, it, if you create the right environment, and this is what I was saying before, if you create the right environment, resources, and a different stream, and create the space, uh, that um, the ideas are there, uh, but it, it takes uh, it takes bold leadership to be able to um, allocate uh, you know those resources and to um, you know think differently about uh, the way that they approach innovation. So it's really exciting. But uh, as I say, I, I, this is this is. There's nothing different, you know, about the people who, um, you know, uh, applied and got a job at Mills Oakley. It's just the way that the firm is um, uh, allowing these uh, these people to um, express themselves. I mean, the two things that sort of strike me in in terms of the human capital aspect of of this and and watching it, you know, as as part of this great experiment uh, within within the accelerator program that that we've built there is. Um, the first is that that lawyers are actually really smart, creative people, and yet we're forcing them to do this this kind of scut work of of checking commas and and mm. making sure that the doctrinal stuff is okay, which you know is fine. You know, there's there's obviously a role for that, but um, but there are lots of lawyers who who are kind of frustrated by it, which leads on to the sort of the the next thing, which I, one of the things that I really want to try to find out at the end of this experience is whether this emphasis on innovation culture and this emphasis upon providing the opportunities for for these lawyers to actually 
um, change the world and change the work that they do and, and be given the, the sort of skills that they um, uh, need in order to be able to do that, whether that actually changes their perception of their enjoyment of work, because I'm guessing that, that it does. You know, I, I 100% looking back on it, I, you know, I was at a big commercial firm and, and within six weeks and then for about another two years thereafter, you know, I, I just sort of went, you know what, this is not for me. It's just not interesting enough. Um, I can use my skills, my, you know, AI and computer science stuff. I can use that in a, in a different way but still ended up within law and it would be interesting to see whether this is something that actually improves the retention of the lawyers within Mills and that actually um, improves their, their lives in an interesting and measurable way. Uh, Dan, I, I, the, we'd have to look at uh, look at this over time, but I would absolutely, uh, I, would, I would bet anyone that it would certainly improve retention for certain lawyers. Mm. So I'm working with um, closely with a, a number of these teams um, in a mentoring capacity at the moment, and um, you know the, the excitement of of these teams, or there's a few solos, uh, is palpable. They, they've, yeah. they've got a spring in their step. Um, and I've known some of these people for quite a while that they haven't had previously, um, yeah. that, I, have, that I haven't noticed in them um, previously. They're really, really excited to be to be doing this. So um, I could th- only think that that level of engagement would lead to, um, you know, um, uh, retention. Yeah, and which brings us back to the sort of the question that we started at the beginning, which is, you know, where have all the lawyers gone? And, you know, people who um, have got these sorts of skills, you know, if you provide that kind of, opportunity and and scaffolding within the firm then you know there's a decent money chance that they'll that they'll stay yeah absolutely we're coming to the end of our time this has been great it's you know it's always great to chat with you it's it's weird to have this uh chat within the context of the podcast but (laughs) kind of kind of fun as well we always try to end uh interviews and, and the episodes uh, around something you know really quite practical so that people can have one sort of concrete takeaway um, you've had lots and lots of experience within legal innovation you've seen it done really well you've seen it done really badly um, certainly within law firms uh, it's a huge challenge um, addressing say managing partners or partners of law firms who are looking at this space and going we've got to do something what do we do how the hell do we do it um, what can what can they do to actually make a difference and to to do innovation that actually uh, fixes the bottom line makes them more future proof you know whatever whatever innovation uh, challenge they, they're actually facing yeah sure um, I'll start with what they shouldn't do and they shouldn't feel comfortable and what I mean by that is that if um, if you if you're uh, doing something which uh, uh, feels like it ticks the innovation box but feels also easy and 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 comfortable um like putting everyone through a bit of training uh yeah. like uh having um having a uh, uh like a just an external skunk works so you pay someone else to do so you, and you can announce that you've got the first this or the first that without actually really embracing and, and supporting it and, and engaging with it those, those sorts of things that you know that you and I call the, the cabaret or theatre are very very common at the moment. Everyone's doing it because they have to, and and I think that they a big danger is is feeling like you know you're you know you're you're ticking the box. Yeah, oh, I've done. done that. <laughs> yeah. I've done that. Oh, I'm doing it. Innovation oh, I've, I've, I've got a yeah. I've got a, a bit of clickbait in you know in one of the legal rags, and maybe even in the in in the fin. We're all we're all done. 
um, if if we if we if you if you're really serious about it about having your firm um, you know uh, future proofed, then it's going to be quite hard, and it's going to it's going to it, it's going to take um, uh, you know a shift, as I said before, in mindset. And a, and a good example that we've already talked about, which I think is quite instructive for 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 this point, is just around what you do to retain, to nurture and retain um, the the lawyers who have some ideas. And who I might be entrepreneurial or, or creative in a business sense, um, if, if uh, you know to do that, it you know it does take a you know a shift, and um, and that's the sort of thing if, if that you should be looking for uh, when you when you're embracing innovation. Uh, that um, you know, and, and Mills Oakley also um, uh, has um, you know does co-creation with clients. It's invested with and backed. A number of startups, some internal, um, you know, spinouts. Um, they've also partnered with Convex and Fourth Line. Uh, so, you know, there, there are firms out there that are really pushing the boundaries and 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 stretching themselves. They're committing funds, they're committing time, uh, they're um, uh, they're changing the way they structure things, the way people are recognised. So, um, it, I think the takeaway. With all that, I mean, there's a whole clutch bag of things that I've, I've mentioned there. So that's not really the, the takeaway, the, the what. But if there's one takeaway, it is that to 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 you know cross the you know the chasm uh, between um, what's happened for the last 200 years and what's going to happen in the next 10 or 20, um, it, it, it has it has to be it has to be bold, mm. uh, and there has to be an element of of, of change. Uh, so, uh, again, to, to go back to what I was saying before, if you are feeling comfortable and that you've, you've paid a bit of money and you feel like and yet, but you haven't had to really change much, um, then that should be a warning sign to you. Don't don't be too comfortable about just you know ticking a few boxes because um, that's probably an indication that you're not doing enough. It's a it's a great lesson. Um, I always I always love to sort of show slides um, around legal innovation, and I just put up a generic slide of a young person, and and it's just like there's some 26 year old out there with venture capital behind him or her, and they they really want your business. Um, so you better start to recognise that because otherwise you're not going to have a business uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's um, right. And and when I started with working with Mills Oakley um, some seven years ago. When we did a, a partners offsite, the you know we were talking about in you know disruption back then, but it just seemed like some planet you know way over the you know the horizon or you know beyond. But now you know in a pretty short space of time, a lot of areas of the firm are feeling uh, the winds of it and it's accelerating. So uh, the 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 point is that that when you have someone with resources. And their whole raison d'etre is not keeping the lights on, or paying the bit, you know, or or you know, um, uh, what people's pay reviews are, or do we have to move up? All the standard things that an established business has. Their raison d'etre, their shower time, if you like, Dan, is yeah. all about how can I solve this problem? And that's and- scary because that's that's why um, that that's really what a startup is. It's to build a you know a, 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 a repeatable, scalable super fast scalable um, way of solving an existing problem and um, and that's 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 all they're designed to do and so um, if uh, if if law firms think that they can 
and it's such a you know huge and lucrative business that if they feel that and and also hasn't been you know democratized um, or available to to um, uh, everyone that can't um, pay for the services, so there's that element as well. So it's going to come at all angles. So I think it's a, that is a, a a nice sort of call to action. Dan to sort of yeah. you know start to no, wind up right. on yeah exactly yeah we, and we've come to the end of our time but um, you know if I if I could sort of add you know my one observation for for the partners of, of the law firms um, they should go in and take a look at some of the investment pitch decks of, of startups and not so much because of the content in them but just to to look at the first slide in every single one of those pitch decks and every single first slide of every investment pitch deck that I've ever seen uh, says what's the problem. What's the problem to be solved, and mm. and then everything else that follows from there is about solving that problem. And you know, it's a pretty rare lawyer, uh, comfortable, established, uh, you know, from thirty to to fifty five or whatever, who wakes up in the morning and goes, "Okay, there's a problem out there that I'm here to solve." That's not just uh, there's a legal problem for a, for a client. There actually, you know, it's a much larger question that that um, startups are generally asking, and um, and I think it's a, a salutary lesson for them. But we could talk all night, uh, and we're not going to do that. Um, Simon Quirk, uh, serial entrepreneur, uh, legal innovator, and reformed lawyer, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. It was great to continue our chat, Stan, and as you say, to, uh, do it live. Uh, <laughs> it's a very, very different sort of experience. Thank you for listening to the Future Law Podcast. For links to the articles mentioned and to contact the hosts, visit futurelawpodcast.com.